to Freedom to Choose from Just As I Am Ministries, a nonprofit providing hope to those caught in the devastation of addiction or who are searching for a better way to live. In this series, Parables and Object Lessons, you'll learn how and why Jesus used the physical world to introduce the spiritual world to his disciples and how the laws of nature relate to the Bible. Rich and Susan Kallenberg are a husband and wife team who found freedom over two decades ago from their out-of-control lives of drug addiction and alcoholism. Now here's Rich and Susan with Solutions for Freedom on Freedom to Choose. Hello everyone, my name is Rich Kallenberg. And my name is Susan Kallenberg. And welcome once again to Freedom to Choose and the series Parables and Object Lessons. And uh, for your reference, this is program 19 of Parables and Object Lessons. And before we get started, Susan, would you like to open with a word of prayer? Sure. Loving Father in heaven, thank you again for an opportunity to um, be here to talk about your word and your principles and um, just to look at the stories you've told to teach us those greater things, the um, the greater principles that your kingdom is based on. And, and we're thankful for all the the messages that you give us through your word, and we pray that you will bless our time together in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. The last time we talked about the lost coin, this time we're going to talk about the lost son, or the story of the prodigal son, if you will. But if before we start that, you and I had talked about um, our workbook. We want to oh, make okay. sure that um, that everybody knows that we have a workbook that's available called Could It Be This Simple, Your Way Out of Prison?, um, the way out of your prison. The way out of your prison. Yeah. <laughs> um, we've sent um, several to um, a bunch of different uh, institutions, mm-hmm. and it's being well received by a lot of people. And the thing is, is that it's something that everybody can use in their daily life. Yeah, and especially if you have a prison ministry, uh, yes. that's we've uh, we've sent them to Nevada, where oh. Arizona, Tucson, Arizona, federal. Um, facility. Yeah. A couple in here in California, a couple in Idaho. A couple in Nevada. Yeah. So it's kind of making its way around. So, um, I mean, it's good for anybody. It's good even for our weekly Bible study. Yeah. That's what we do too at our weekly Bible study. So you can um, go online or you can give us a call and we'll ship them out to you for free. That's what our ministry does is that it likes to be able to um, communicate this message, and um, we have supporters that support us, and that way we're allowed to give the resources away for free. Yeah, so uh, just drop us a line, www.justasiamministries.com, and Susan will pack them up and get them out to you. Um, yeah, so, so today's program, The Lost Son or the Prodigal Son, it's based on Luke chapter 15, verses 11 through 32, and, and let's talk a little bit about the parables of the lost sheep, the lost coin, the prodigal son, because they bring out different insights of God's love for his wayward kids. And, you know, as I look at this parable, uh, I see both boys, they're messed up. Um, we're going to study mostly the first boy that leaves, but for me, the parable is about the father. See, even though we've turned away from God, God doesn't leave us in our sick condition. He's full of kindness and gentleness towards everyone. 
we've all been exposed to the temptations of the adversary, haven't we? Yes, and that, of course, is what we ter- what we term what Satan means, and it's simply adversary. We are all born adversaries to God, and we inherited that from Adam. You yep. changed the human he, condition. You changed the human condition. Adam ran, and we've been running from God ever since, haven't we? Right. Yeah. So in the parable, parable of the prodigal son, we're going to look at how God deals with those who've once known God's love, who'd have allowed Satan to take over their lives. Well, notice that the young man's life is taken over by Satan, mainly due to the picture of his father that he had. And if you think about this, there's an indication in Revelation chapter 14 and verse 7, 6 and 7, where it's talking about, um, talking about God, and it says that the hour of his judgment has come. And um, that... To me, that text can mean one of two things, the hour that God judges us, but it can also mean the hour that we judge him. And this is at the end of time that we're getting a clearer and clearer picture of God towards the end of time, and it depends on how we judge God. In other words, we're always judging him, but do we judge him correctly? Think about this. The Pharisees in Christ's time judged Jesus that he was not God. Right. So if you think about the condition of the mind where God in human flesh shows up and cannot convince a human being that is full of pride that he is God. Mm-hmm. They judged him as a heretic. And so we are con- so I, Jesus came so we can look at him and say that's how God acts. That's how God treats people. So we watch Jesus. Yeah, isn't it amazing that the Creator of the universe came down and took the um, took the form of a human being, became a human being, um, to be able to communicate to human beings what God is truly like? Yeah. And I love that um, that text in Revelation. Uh, it's what chapter 14, verse 7, where it says the hour of his judgment. Mm-hmm. It's the hour of how we judge. It's God's judgment and how we um, judge him to be, because that's what it's all about, mm-hmm. whether he's, you know, what Satan has made him out to be or whether he has shown and proven who he is. Yeah, yeah. And if you look at Christ's life all the way through, even hanging on the cross, he forgave his accusers and the people that nailed him to the cross. And so I think is it is it why is it that we that there's so many of us Christians mainly that have the wrong picture of who God is that we um you know we want him to be somebody that's going to come back and take vengeance. Be, be vindictive. Right. I it could be a stage of growth too that we go through. Right. Um, well, and I think, too, we were talking about how um, a lot of times we can take our human attributes and put them towards God. So mm-hmm. a lot of times we'll take the picture of the of our parents or of our father that we grew up with, and we kind of transpose their characteristics onto God. It's because it's all we know as children. Right. Yeah. And a lot of times the that picture isn't a good, very good picture. Yeah, right. So let's take a part, look at the um, first part of the parable. Jesus went on to say, There was once a man who had two sons. The younger son said to him, Father, give me my share of the property now. So the man divided his property between his two sons. After a few days, the younger son sold part, his part of the property and left home with the money. 
He went to a country far away where he wasted in reckless living, his money in reckless living. He spent everything he had. So why did the son want out? Well, you know, we can tell by what he wanted, by what he went and did. You know, I've been there. This younger son had begun, he'd become tired of the, of the rules and the, the household rules, rules and the restraints of the father. Right. He thought that his liberty was restricted. Right. That his father's love and care for him, they were misinterpreted, and he decided to follow the dictates of his own heart. Right. Now, I want to stop here and talk about restrictions, because if you think about it, when things are fragile, like the character of young people, or especially when we're injured— in fact, let's take that as an example. What's a cast or a Band-Aid for? It's not only, well, I, let's take a Band-Aid. It's real simple. I cut my finger the other day. It was right across the knuckle. So I had to put a Band-Aid on the cut, but not only to keep the wound clean, but also to restrict its movement. And when things are wounded and fragile, their movement must be restricted or else the injury will get worse. What happens if you take a cast off of a broken arm too soon? it's going to re-break. It's going to have a problem. Right. What happens if you leave it on there too long? It'll have a problem, you, too. You'll have a problem, too. Now, let's talk about addiction recovery, and you'll notice, in, in fact, the, 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 the um, people that we're working with in prison, mm-hmm. um, they're, they're, they have their movement restricted. Their movement is restricted <laughs> because right. they're in a healing process. Mm-hmm. And when they get out, we strongly suggest that they go to meetings or go to a recovery home mm-hmm. so where their movement is still restricted a bit. Right. It's just like it's just like the physical body where you have to restrict the move, movement of something that's injured until it heals, and then you let it have a little more, little more movement, a little more movement, movement, and gradually. Then, and it's the same thing with someone who's been an addict that. You can gradually in, integrate back into society, mm-hmm. but the movement has to be restricted, you know. And Well, I love the analogy that you talk about when you talk about like when you have a child. Mm-hmm. And when a child is, before, when they're first starting to, when they're first born or when they're starting to walk or whatever, you keep them in, in, a, yeah, in a playpen, you right? You them in a playpen, yeah. Right. I like to say the walls of the playpen are yes. all the way up when they're young. You don't want them out, right? right. And then you're, you allow them to go into the backyard. But it's a fenced-in yard, and they're not able to get in or out of the fence because you've got it locked, and right. so they can't get in or out. And then maybe you allow them in the front yard. Mm-hmm. And then as they grow older and they're they're mature enough and they're capable of making better decisions for themselves, then— And if they followed the restrictions properly, you may end up giving them the keys to the car one day. Yes. Right? But right. the restrictions are, you know— are are lifted and lifted as we show responsibility. Right, and it's that maturity and and the ability to take on the responsibilities that show mm-hmm. whether or not a child is capable. Right. I've always heard of, um, you know, like God's commandments or God's restrictions or the Ten Commandments or to love God and your neighbor. Those two commandments are for our own. Um, it's like a hedge of protection. Exactly. It keeps us I don't want to say in line, well, but it keeps us from hurting ourselves and other people. Let's put it this way. Love will restrict the move, movement of a person for healing purposes or to prevent injury. And that's all the father in the parable was accomplishing with his sons, but it got misinterpreted. And how often do we misinterpret God's way as restrictions, his way of keeping us alive, basically, 
and we misinterpret that as restrictions and that just and we we say that's keeping us from doing uh, what we want rather than seeing these restrictions as therapeutic right everything that god does you know the 10 commandments they're therapeutic they're to help us live in harmony with one another right you know and we it, we call them restrictions because we want to be rebellious mm-hmm. you know well we let that that selfish nature rear up and yeah. so it it once doesn't want to have any restrictions right. it wants to just go and do what it wants to do yeah so the prodigal son in the story wants the inheritance that he would normally have received at his father's death and he wants to receive it now he is bent on enjoying the here and now and doesn't care about the future and this is classic example of selfishness in action selfish people want what they want and they want it now now Susan's heard me say this before, and I've often thought of myself as a five-year-old boy in a 63-year-old body because just look at the way I act sometimes, and that little boy comes out. Actually, he's the oldest person in me. I've got few people inside of me, and the, the five-year-old boy, is, he's been with me a long time, mm-hmm. and, and he's a selfish little guy. He wants what he wants, and he wants it now. Right. You know, And sometimes... That little guy, he's a loud voice. You know, mine seems to come out when I'm on the freeway and somebody cuts in front of me. And then it's like, hey, what are you doing This is that my for? road. <laughs> right. I, I'm in a hurry. Don't right. you know I have to get right. somewhere, you know? Or, hey, I left on, on time. Why are you driving like a crazy person? Yep. You know, you why didn't you, you know, do this, that, and the other? You know, we begin to judge people not knowing if that person maybe is on the way to the hospital. You don't know. You yeah. know, but it's all in reference to our own Our own world. little world. Yes. Yeah. And this, this is an example how God will honor your choice to destroy yourself. Because if you can read Romans 1, it says God's wrath is described as letting his children go. And there are awful consequences when God lets his children have their own way. It's, it's, it's ugly. So um, the boy now in the story with plenty of money and freedom to do as he likes, he's quote-unquote, love and life. There's no one to say don't do this and don't do that or you'll get hurt or do this because it's right. There's no, I mean, he's he's got the pedal to the metal. Right. And so we can see as going, he goes. Going strong for destruction. Yep. And he gets in with the wrong crowd and they help him to plunge ever deeper into a sense of self-abuse. And in some versions, it says that he wastes his substance with righteous living. And let's, let's make a... a a point clear, you know, it's, you, um, you can be judged by who you hang around with, Mm -hmm. but you also, the majority of us choose who we hang around with. Because I, I remember, you know, you've heard it time and time again with people that we work with. Well, I hang out, it's, you know, it's just because I'm hanging out with them. You you find what you're looking for. Exactly. And so this young man found what he was looking looking for. for. Right. Yeah, exactly. So the Bible, and the Bible describes this type of living in Romans chapter 1, verse 22, where it says, the Bible says, men professing themselves to be wise became fools. And the money which he'd selfishly claimed from his father, he squanders on harlots. The energy of his young manhood is wasted. The precious years of his life, the strength of his intellect, the bright visions of his youth, the spiritual aspirations are all consumed in the fires of lust. You know, and, and this, this parable really hits home with me um, because, you know, I'm a little older now, and you, 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 you do this type of living for any stretch when you're young— it slices the best years out of your life, mm-hmm. and and 
what what do you, how about you well i ha- you know i have the same experience it kind of i was telling someone the other day that it kind of um takes away part of your life force yeah you know that you need during your life and um their actions always have consequences and that's um, how god's that's universe how god, is created right and um so we can think, you know, and I think that was the thing. It was like, but I'm just doing what I want to do. Yeah, and I'm not hurting anybody. Right. Why can't I just have the freedom to go out and do what I want to do? Mm-hmm. And um, That's what the restrictions are for, so we don't harm ourselves. And, he, you know, and just like me and just like you and just like this son here, he didn't like the restrictions. We, you know, we, we, what's the old saying is, Hire a teenager before they grow up because that when they're a teenager, they know everything. Right. You know, and so that's when you want to hire them. Right. But, you know, I mean, we think we do. When we're young, we think we know everything, mm-hmm. you know, and this guy did too. Right. You know? Absolutely. So let's pick up the parable again. Um, it says, then a severe famine came over that country and he was left without a thing. So he went to work for one of the citizens of that country who sent him out to his farm to take care of the pigs. He wished he could fill himself with the bean pods the pigs ate, but no one gave him anything to eat. Yeah, now to a Jew, this was one of the most menial and degrading jobs you could have. The young man who was searching for freedom, for liberty, now finds himself a slave. He's in total bondage, held with the cords of sin, as Proverbs 5.22 says. Right, the dangly, shining things are all gone. The glitter and the tinsel that enticed him have disappeared, and he feels the weight of his chains. Now, sitting on the ground with no friends but the pigs, he looks to fill his belly with the husks that the pigs are eating. Where are all of his drinking buddies? You know, everybody that he, when he had money, he had friends, right? You know, it's interesting. Whenever I ran out of dope, there was no one to be found. There was no laughing, no partying. There's nothing but loneliness when you're out of booze, money, and dope when you're living that life. When a person is out there running on self-will, we can convince ourselves that we're happy and free. Then, when all the money is spent and we're hungry, our pride is humbled and our morality is compromised, the only thing we know for sure is that we're weak and that we're untrustworthy. And that is just a classic description of sin. Although we're surrounded with the blessings of God's love, there is nothing that we as sinners bent on selfish indulgence and sinful pleasure desire so much as separation from God. Just like the ungrateful son in the parable, we claim the good things of God by right, but we don't return any love, and in fact, we are just the opposite. Yeah, just, I mean, it happened way back, just like when the Bible says Cain went out from the presence of the Lord to seek his home. The prodigal was the same way, went into a far country. And just in the same way, back to Romans chapter 1, back Romans one twenty eight says, so do sinners seek happiness in the forgetfulness of God. Right, whatever the appearance may be, every single life centered in self is fruitless. Whoever attempts to live apart from God is wasting away. Oh, it may be imperceptible, but when we when we veer away from God's principles, we will die. We squander the years, squander the powers of the mind, the heart, and our very being, while all the while working very hard yeah. to make ourselves bankrupt for eternity. The man who separates himself from God, think about it. Look around. The mind that God created for the companionship of angels has become corrupted. Have you ever had a moment of clarity? 
alone in a far country, you feel your misery in a state of depression, you say to yourself, like Paul does in Romans, oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? Right. Jer- Jeremiah had some words in Jeremiah 17, 5, 6. That's just a, it's a statement of universal truth. It's, he says, cursed be the man that trusts in man and makes flesh his arm and whose heart departs from the Lord. For he shall be like the heat in the desert and shall not see when good comes, but shall inhabit the parched place in the wilderness in the salt land and not inhabited. Yep. And Matthew 5, 45 says, God makes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. But, but see, men have the power to shut themselves out from the sunshine and the rain. And what is the best news of all? God's still love. Yep. God's love still speaks to the person who has chosen to leave him. And so God will set in operation influences to bring us back to his house. Mm-hmm. And now the story of the prodigal says... He came to himself. In other words, he had that moment of clarity. Yep. Where do you suppose that moment of clarity came from? You know, he could have ignored it. I did for years, but he didn't. And in actually listening to the Holy Spirit, the deceptive power of Satan that was that Satan was using on him was broken. Right. He actually sees that his suffering is the result of his own recklessness. And as he comes to his senses, he says to myself, All of my father's hired works have more than they can eat. And here I'm about to starve. I will get up and I will go to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against God and against you. I am no longer longer fit to be called your son. But he adds, treat me as one of your hired workers. Now, that last part of the speech that he's rehearsed, where it says, treat me as one of your hired workers, it kind of shows how stinted his conception of his father's love is. And we'll, we'll, we'll probably dig a little bit deeper into that on another program. But um, Jesus says, I no longer call you my servant, mm-hmm. but I call you my friends. Mm-hmm. Because friends know what their friends' business are. Right. You see? And, and no matter what this child does, he cannot change the fact that he's the son of this father. Right. And see, this is no matter what we do, God is going to love us, even though we turn our back on him. Right. That's just, he, he can't and, and so help I, but love and us. And that's for every single human being that is ever, that's alive right now, is that every human being is a child of God. Wayward as, as we may be, God still holds the desire to bring them back into the fold, and he's gonna, uh, into yeah. his fold. Yeah, and if you're and if you're going to betray him, he'll wash your feet. Right. You know that's and, that's and, a beautiful thing as we see how God treats people who are yeah. traitors to him. Yeah. Now Judas, for all practical purposes, we know that we, we can figure that he died a lost soul, but not because God didn't do everything He possibly could to win him. Right. You see, and this is what we're going to see time and time again in our lives and mm-hmm. in, 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 the, in the lives of the Bible characters, is God is doing everything he can to win even those that are bent on leaving him. Right. God is always seeking to bring us back into rightness with him. Yeah. Because God's rightness is to have his children home with him and living and being restored to how he intended us to be to begin with that's god's whole plan for this whole planet yeah and and if and if we die lost it wasn't because god didn't try to win us right 
That's and that's the the whole this picture of God is He's constantly trying to. It's our cho- He's going to honor our choice to destroy ourselves right. if we wish to. Right. He will honor that choice. And and we as Christians are agents in this plan. We are to help people to see that God loves them no matter what. Yeah. You know, a lot of, of crazy characters out there, but it doesn't change the fact that they're sons or daughters of God. Mm-hmm. And yeah. our job is to communicate that God's love to them. We're the human agent in this mm-hmm. whole plan. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, the consequences of, of shutting ourselves off from God— not pretty, not pretty. And so, you know, we encourage everyone that if you're having a moment of clarity, stop. Just stop and smell the roses. Stop and 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 listen for that voice of God because he's just just like the prodigal son. He's calling out to you, and his love is drawing, is drawing you right now. Uh, we're gonna have to wrap it up here, folks. But remember, you can get a hold of us at www.justasiamministries.com. Um, you can order books online or give us a call, 916-645-1297. And remember, folks, there's only two ways to live your life. One is like nothing is a miracle. The other is like everything is a miracle. And you have the freedom to choose. Do I love my Thank you for listening to Freedom to Choose. There is truly hope for people whose lives seem to be overrun with problems, possibly caught up in unhealthy relationships, or even imprisoned by some form of addiction. Rich and Susan Collenberg, past addicts, are living testimonials that biblical principles do work. They've authored resources available to move those you love toward freedom. If you'd like to order the Addiction Recovery Workbook, Seven Steps to Freedom, or the book, Could It Be This Simple? The Way Out of Your Prison, please call 916-645-1297 or justasiamministries.com. As a nonprofit, they're supported by people like you. 916-645-1297 or justasiamministries.com. Thank you for listening. And remember, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you.